everyone to the greater community. We're excited to have you back for another week. Um, we have been diving into what God is doing locally and around the world outside of the four walls of the church. And this week, we are so excited to have Mark and Gretchen Potma with us. They are serving in the Czech Republic, and they have a video to share with us to, to share a little bit about what God is doing through their ministry. So take a look. Hello, friends. Today, we'd like to share with you some of the contents of our new ministry brochure. It's been our custom in the past as we've begun our home ministry assignment to prepare something that introduces ourselves and the work that we've been doing in Prague during the past four years, as well as to set out a vision for what we believe God is calling us to do as we return to Prague. Of course, many of you have been keeping up with all the details of what God has been doing in Prague and praying for us regularly. Thank you. Our ministry focus in the upcoming years will have four parts. First, we want to be reaching into new regions where the gospel has not yet been proclaimed. The Czech Republic is still regarded as one of the most non-religious countries in the world. Evangelical believers represent seven-tenths of one percent of the population. Our strategy is to reach the younger generation of Czechs who are choosing to raise their families in the growing communities outside of Prague. We'll continue to do this through planting new churches, which we believe is the best method of evangelism under heaven. Since 1996, God has allowed us to help establish four dynamically growing and reproducing churches in Prague, and we have been indirectly involved in getting four more church plants underway. Our vision is to see four new churches planted in the districts surrounding Prague by the year 2030. Discipling new believers to become fully devoted followers of Christ is the third part of our focus. As new Christians have come to faith, the church has been ready to take them through discipleship courses in Czech and through preparation for baptism, and many have gone on to lead and to serve in our church and in God's kingdom. We desire that each Christ follower will be a witness for Christ in their sphere of influence, equipped to lead others to faith and to spiritual maturity. And the fourth focus is training new leaders who will carry on the work that Christ began. I've been serving as the administrative pastor of the Seven Church Network of Church Planting Initiatives. This involves leading, coaching, and supervising assistant pastors, pastoral interns, elders, church planters, and missionaries. Our prayer is that God would place a burden on the hearts of four Czech church planters whom we can lead, mentor, and encourage. Making use of the resources already available, local biblical and theological education, the pastoral internship program, and plenty of hands-on ministry training and experience. As a couple, we desire to invest in the lives of couples in ministry as they serve together. We'll let you read more details for yourselves, as well as refresh your memory about our background and family and the spiritual and cultural situation in the Czech Republic. As always, we invite you to partner with us in various ways. Some ideas are listed in this email. Click or call if you want more information. And please continue to pray for us that God will open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ to the people of the Czech Republic. And so Mark and Gretchen, we are excited to have you with us um, this week. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you um, get to the Czech Republic? What stirred in your heart to make you, to lead you to into, into that ministry that you're serving in? Well, this goes back a few years. Uh, both Mark and I were short-term missionaries in the year 1991-92. Mark had gone to Prague to serve, and that was just after the uh, Iron Curtain had fallen in 1989, and everything was new and exciting, and um, things were open for the gospel. I was serving at that time in France, and after our years of short-term, we were serving separately as singles. And then we came back to North America and both felt that the Lord was calling us to long-term missionary service. And we met at our mission organization's training school um, in Wheaton, Illinois, and met there. And within a year we were married and looking forward to ministry in the Czech Republic. So did you start um, out as missionaries like right out of college was that something that God had put on your heart or did you have a different vocation that God turned how did that calling into global missions how did where did that come from 
Both Gretchen and I are glad that we have been part of missions-minded churches and that both sets of parents were really on fire for world missions. And so that was a great encouragement for us. Uh, both sets of parents used to have missionaries come over after church on Sundays if they were in town. And, um, and my parents actually went to Papua New Guinea with all of us when we were okay. teenagers. Okay. And so we both, both of us have also had short-term missions experience. So it was kind of in your blood, it seems like, as you were, as you were growing up a little bit. Um, tell me about, you, you mentioned, Gretchen, a little bit about that it was very exciting kind of when the Iron Curtain fell and, you know, missionaries were going into you know, Eastern Europe and into, you know, the former Soviet Union and places like that. Um, how has that climate kind of changed or evolved since the early 90s to today? How have you seen just the climate for missions and the spiritual climate of the Czech Republic evolve over, I guess, the last 20 years almost. Mm -hmm. There was a great enthusiasm and uh, optimism right after the fall of communism, but that uh, over the years changed to kind of cynicism, uh, kind of sometimes apathy. So now it's been 30 years. And so if you realize that if there are people who are 30 years old, they weren't even born yet. And so it's becoming more and more distant to many more people. And some of the freedoms that the Czechs experience, they often take for granted now. Okay. When, when you step foot for the first time in the Czech Republic, were people fairly receptive to the gospel? How did you go about starting in a place that it's sort of been a closed country to Western missionaries officially for such a long time. How did you get started in that kind of new in new climate in the early 90s? I was the first team missionary to uh, to go to the former Czechoslovakia and the uh, co-workers in the neighboring countries basically said you're there to make mistakes so you're our guinea pig. <laughs> Take lots of notes and I made a manual but uh, at the same time people were open. I had the opportunity to lead people to faith in Christ and the idea of church planting, which had been either non-existent or illegal for pretty much 70 years, was something new and exciting that was just kind of restarting, I guess you could say, in the 1990s. So, so it sounds like there's, there's some openness, there's some excitement, you're stepping in as a guinea pig. What does that feel like as a, as a missionary kind of stepping off into sort of a front, new frontier for you, what, what emotions were, were you guys feeling as you started in on this work? What's interesting is that God placed on both of our hearts uh, a burden to use English as a tool for evangelism. Okay. And so personally, I wasn't necessarily called from the beginning to become a pastor. But over the years, God placed that on my heart. And in 2010, I was ordained as a, as a pastor in the Czech denomination, one okay. of the first missionaries to do so. Oh, and um, so it has been a process. And what we started off doing is not necessarily what we're continuing to do, but God continues to open new doors of opportunities, uh, new doors of opportunity. And uh, we also are so glad to be able to do things together as a family. Now that our children are growing and grown, that again will change uh, our ministry to a certain, to a certain extent. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, you had the ability to make some mistakes and, and, you know, things obviously are changing. What are some of the early lessons that you learned as you were, as you both were kind of trying to figure out how to do, how to missions? What are some of the first kind of like, oh, we didn't know this coming in, but now we're, this informs the way we need to do ministry. If you think back to the early days when the country first reopened to uh, the gospel. Um, many short-term missionaries would come in or career missionaries, but they were all learning the culture and language at the same time. And there was probably too much emphasis on preach a sermon on the square through a translator. And quickly that extent wore off of a foreigner coming in and with a message and then leaving again. And one thing that we've really wanted to emphasize is that we're there for the long term mm -hmm. we don't present the gospel as a 
attract or just a one-time encounter, but we really work on developing relationships. So we have, an off, we have often used English classes, so weekly contact with the students and each English class is followed by a Bible class. And so we start with, um, we use a cre creation to Christ curriculum for the Bible classes. So that's even if in two years it takes to go through the whole curriculum. So it, it really is in depth and continuing that weekly contact and those long-term relationships. And those relationships are also evident when we talk about our English camps. And we've had teams from Community Covenant come to our English camps. And um, those are relationships that have continued oh, for many, many years, the, the students that come to English camp. We would like to see more of them become part of our church fellowship, but it takes a really long time for Czech people to really comprehend and maybe they comprehend more than North Americans what it will mean to become a follower of Christ and so they very carefully weigh their responsibility and um, what that will mean to them in their personal lives. I, so the two things I heard especially pop out as you talked was English and kind of teaching English and also Bible as two kind of major emphases what is it about those two, I guess, focuses that make that a good strategy for mission in Czech Republic? Mm -hmm. It's not only just an interest or a hobby or desire, but many for many people, it's a it's a real need for for them to uh, be able to get a particular job or to be able to communicate properly or even to be able to travel. As English quickly is becoming the world language, if not already. And the second part of that is uh, um, really lack of understanding of basic Bible truths and teachings. And so many people, although they are raised as atheists, they realize that the Bible is an important book mm -hmm. and it's part of our civilization. So we should at least know something about it. Uh, the Czech Bible Society estimates that only 25% of Czechs actually own a Bible, yeah. and many of those that do have never opened it for themselves. And so I, I, that brings up a question for me. What percentage of Czechs at this point would consider themselves Christians? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very good question. So at this particular point, uh, about 80% of Czechs would claim to be non-religious, agnostic, atheist. Uh, another 10% claim to be Catholics, although only, only about 5% of Catholics actually go to Mass every Sunday. Okay. Um, and there's a smattering of everything else, including New Age or world religions and the occult. But uh, born-again evangelical believers would represent about half of 1% or maximum seven tenths of one percent of the population. Wow. So, so then that raises a whole other question of so church planting. You know, when you think about church planting in like Kansas City, you know, that's we're, we're planting churches, but you know, there's churches all down 87th Street that we are located on. You're talking about church planting in a place where church, a Bible believing church, is not something that people are familiar with. It might even be almost like a, a fascination. So what is maybe unique about church planning in the Czech Republic that would be different from planning a church in, you know, suburban Kansas City? One thing that is surprising for many people uh, when, they, when they hear this is that we don't start right away with a Sunday morning service. Mm -hmm. More importantly for us is Monday through Saturday, reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to the community meeting the felt needs of the community, uh, finding out how we can um, get to know them and also build friendship and trust and relationship. And through that, share the gospel with them. And um, more than once, we've had the experience where a new church plant has been formed out of new believers from that community. Mm. And so oftentimes people will say, that, when can we meet more often? And we'll say, how about... I don't know, Sunday morning, for example. And so it just becomes a very natural thing that perhaps after a year of outreach, we might start once a month Sunday morning services, which might lead to twice a month. And eventually, even after four or five years, 
to have regular weekly Sunday services. So in a nutshell, the emphasis is not on planting church services, but on planting the body of Christ in that particular community. Long after the missionaries and church planters and evangelists have moved on, that church with solid foundations will continue to reach out to that community for many generations to come. It sounds pretty biblical to me. It sounds like the book of Acts when you, you know, as, as I'm listening to you as you talk. Um, so, in the, so obviously relational connections are important. It seems like relational connections are important no matter what ministry that you're involved in. How are you making these connections with people? Is, are there certain places you'll go or is there certain, um, you know, hobby interests that you try to, so how do you, how are you making these, these first kind of encounters with folks? Um, every missionary would probably do that in a different way, depending on their own interests. Mark and I just happen to both be interested and um, educated as English teachers. So that was a good fit for us. Hmm. And then as our um, season, because of the season of our life, I started having a mother's club and yeah. uh, women's evenings. And then Mark loves seniors, so he had a seniors club. And we do all these things in kind of a rented storefront type of um, facility. So it's somebody might be on their way to the library and they see a sign for a kids club or a seniors club or whatever we think might um, have catch somebody's interest. So other, other missionaries who like sports are into sports, others who are into music. So it's really depends on whatever your own bent is. And um, we find that's a good way to make connections. On the other hand, we have a Czech coworker who is just a natural born evangelist and he will stand out on the, at the Metro station and hand out Gideon Bibles. And he is able to make connections with people like that. So it's not something I would be able to do, but it's, that's the way he's been gifted. So really God is using a lot of different means to um, make connections with people. So when you're doing like a seniors club or a kids club, are you advertising it as a Christian kids club or a Christian seniors club, or is that more come out as they're involved in the program? We don't ever hide that we're part of a church group and um, we, we advertise it. And for some people that would immediately turn them off. Mm -hmm. And so they won't come. So it's kind of a filter. Others, they don't mind that it's put on by a, a church and for others like that really um, triggers their interest and they're like yeah I kind of had some questions and um, one thing we also do is um, the alpha course and um, the Christianity explored course and often we're surprised that there is more interest and those even in in the last couple of years those kind of um, really spiritually oriented opportunities have been more successful than the English classes and we you just jump over a whole several years of work really when you find the people that really have spiritual questions and they really want to get right down to knowing who God is and who Jesus is and what it means for them so the if the English classes aren't as successful it doesn't bother us. We're glad that we have those opportunities that we can really connect more quickly and kind of more efficiently with the people who really are seeking. Sure. So you alluded earlier to kind of a, fa a fatigue from the early days of, you know, the, the Iron Curtain coming down, going from kind of a new excitement to kind of more of a, it seems like a disillusionment so what, how would you describe kind of a, I realize that every person's a little bit different, but generally speaking, how would you describe the worldview of an average person in the city that you serve in? Like, how, are, how do they look at it today after, you know, 30 years, 30 years later? Mm -hmm. um, when you say the word atheist, you often think of someone who's really studied atheist, but that's not the way it is in the Czech Republic. In fact, maybe, um, most most people who claim to be atheists don't even know why. It's kind of, well, my parents or even my grandparents were atheists. Somewhere back, someone went to a Catholic church somewhere, but uh, it's 
like one of our our missionary coworkers says, they've forgotten that they've forgotten about God. It just simply doesn't cross their mind. And so if you were to take that whole segment of 80%, they're not all convinced, hardened, secular atheists, but another segment is what we call somethingists. And basically, a typical Czech might say something like this. I know there's something out there, but I don't know what it is, and who... Who am I to say what it is? That would be presumptuous of, of me. So the goal of life is simply to seek, you know, and if, if someone ever finds what they're looking for, they could be the most, the saddest person in the world. Hmm. So they're almost like on a never ending pursuit and with almost not a desire to find a destination. Like that's almost like they're, they'd rather just keep searching. Is that what I'm hearing you say? We've met many people like that. Hmm. And um, so that's why for them to simply dabble in Buddhism or in African drumming or in some other type of mysticism, even the occult, and then perhaps come to a church service, they don't see any kind of uh, disconnect in that. Yeah, so, you're, so you have, it's almost like, and I think there's, there's definitely parallels in America where you have, you know, a little bit of this or a little bit of that. It's almost like a potpourri of without seeing, like you say, the, the disconnect of, well, that worldview doesn't really work together with that worldview because they have some contradictory truth claims or um, so as, as you are having folks from kind of that background coming into Bible study, what's it like to facilitate a Bible study with individuals who are coming with kind of this potpourri of worldview? The teams that have come to English camp could probably tell you a lot about that as well, because at English camp, we have an evening program and a gospel message is presented. And then there's opportunity with the small groups for the English teacher to lead them in a series of questions and discussion. And they find out those kind of things like they, what they believe, what they don't believe, their personal experiences and how that all goes together. And they really are quite willing to discuss it without any kind of um, feeling defensive or mm -hmm. they just enjoy the, the process of discussing. We would like to see more people take that step of faith where they just decide I'm not going to know the answer to all the questions ever, but I can still take a step of faith. So um, the English camps help with that and the continuing relationships once we're back in Prague. But it's still a long, long process that some people just never really get any farther on. And, yeah. some, you know, a few people do, and we're very thankful for that. Are there some common characteristics that you see in those individuals who do take that step of faith? Are there things that you're looking for as indicators of kind of if they start down this pathway, there's a better chance that they're going to follow or is it kind of unique to the person? Um, I have found personally that Czechs are really deep thinkers and they need that time and space to really be able to think through the claims of Christianity, who Christ is and what he has done for us. And when it comes to that moment of conversion through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is often so life-changing for that person that um, it is something that is a new direction for them. Mm -hmm. And so we see people who have made that step of faith five years ago, 10, 15 years ago, and they are still going on strong for the Lord. And at the same time, others who we thought were so close to making a decision and yet never really kind of crossed that line, they're still kind of where they were, maybe even a, a few steps back mm. than where they were a few years ago. Mm. Uh, as you're talking about their thinkers, are there common questions that you typically get over and over again or common objections that you typically get over and over again? Uh, I think there's a misunderstanding of the church singular and that would be the catholic church and so it's kind of all bundled up together and as well there's the um history of 
Protestant versus Catholic wars mm -hmm. throughout European history, specifically in the Czech lands. Okay. And then, of course, there's the universal question of suffering. You know, if there's really a God, why is there suffering in the world? So yeah. these are questions that we, we do often hear. And then there's also the, the I'm sure you encounter this as well. Well, I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. Right. And I sh I'm pretty sure I've done more good than bad. And so that where that's where it's important that we have these um, teaching times and after our English classes where we really systematically talk about what um, what the Bible teaches from start to finish that it's nothing that we can merit or deserve and that it's solely based on the sacrifice that that God has made for us mm -hmm. so that that's really typical yeah the, the kind of I'm a pretty good person kind of thing yeah and those seem to be pretty universal I mean I'm sure they can contextually and specifically have nuances that are unique to the Czech Republic but yeah, the whole idea of grace and uh, forgiveness and not kind of having salvation based on our merit, but based on, you know, the grace of Jesus is, is very much, um, I think, a foreign concept in America as well, you would see. Mm -hmm. As you have uh, people that are taking this step and you talk about this radical life change, how do you see that impacting their social networks, whether it's their family and friends? Do they, do they find, do you have to do a lot of work to come around them to kind of supplement that? Are they, are they rejected? How does that typically go? I think in some mission fields, for example, in the Muslim world, uh, there can be a lot of rejection and um, even complete separation from those. And yet, because Czechs tend to be more open-minded, uh, they might even come across an opinion like, I'm so glad you've found what makes you happy. Sure. And uh, so they might not face the persecution that people in other parts of the world might face, or even what Czechs used to face under communism. Sure. Um, but at the same time, uh, many who have experienced a dramatic conversion realize that they don't want to live with their boyfriend or girlfriend anymore. We've experienced that multiple times. They don't want to continue in those sinful habits that were part of their life. Mm -hmm. And so that first year of conversion is an amazing time to witness to those who are close to them. But often by the second or third year, it's just uh, a rather natural phenomenon, but those relationships may tend to uh, become farther and less deep and as they become closer to Christians than perhaps to, to non-Christians. So we want to make the most of that first year that they are, are Christians to make connections with those who are in their sphere of influence. Yeah. When you mentioned earlier, you know, there is going to come a day when the missionary moves on or the you know, Westerner moves on. How have you seen the process of, of nationals coming to that conversion point, becoming discipled, and then becoming leaders. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the leaders within the Czech people that have, that have risen up and how has that impacted your ministry of the emergence of, of, lo of leadership within the Czech people themselves? Sure. Uh, one of our great prayers is that the, uh, for example, the Lavi Church that we helped to establish in 2013 would be able to be completely led uh, by checks. And so one of our ministries is premarital counseling as well as uh, preparation for marriage. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a young man who didn't have a church home, but yet had a Christian background came to our church and he started, he had been starting to date a new Christian. And so asked if they could come to our marriage preparation course. And uh, to make a long story short, eventually they asked me to officiate at their wedding Okay. And fast forward some more, they had their first child, joined our church at Latvi, and we realized that he also had some theological training in his background and was quite a gifted speaker. So we asked him to speak and eventually prepared him to be able to consider stepping in as an elder. And so now he is serving as one of the three Czech elders 
of the Lodby Church. And so for Gretchen and me, as we stepped back from that particular church plant, uh, it was a great joy for us to see that it is completely Czech-led uh, without missionary leadership or involvement. Yeah, and so I would imagine that's probably the goal all along, right, is to get self-sustaining churches. Can you, and you talked about it gives you great joy, but, but can you talk about that? How, what is that like for you to labor for all those months and all of those years to pour into individuals, then to finally be able to see something that you dreamed about be realized? What was that moment like for you when you said, okay, we can actually step back and let them lead? What was that like for you? That's a very good question. I think we have it built into our rhythm of ministry in that we often have had four-year terms of ministry followed by a one-year home ministry assignment. And that's an excellent time to start well before we leave to hand off ministry to checks and reminding them that when we come back in a year, we won't be taking that back. And mm -hmm. so it is an extra incentive for us to train them well and then uh, not to give the expectation that we would pick that up again. But often God has led us when we begin a new four-year term to consider and even to move to a new unreached, unchurched part of the city of Prague. Hmm. So it can be um, a little bit heart-wrenching in yeah. some ways, but at the same time, we are very fortunate that the first church that we are part of wanted to plant a new church, mm -hmm. and um, then a, a new church was planted from that church. So we're kind of on the great grandchild church, but they're all part of the same network of churches. And so the, the elders that Mark leads are, some of them are people that we started working with 25 years ago. So we still wow. are able to fellowship with them. And it's, it really is like family when the, the churches come together for a meeting or a celebration or some sort of baptism. So it's not like we've had to completely disconnect, but we've been able to continue those friendships and relationships. And it's always so encouraging when you're able to see the fruit of your labor. You know, sometimes you labor for, you know, with a group of people or in a ministry and you, somebody else gets to reap the benefits of, of, of what you've done. You, you're, you're more planting seeds and actually harvesting. So Man, how, how awesome to be able to not only be able to plant the seeds, but water them, see them grow, and then be able to step back and see ongoing fruit, you know, years later. That's, that's fantastic. Psychologically for you, is it, is it difficult to get to the point where you've been able to release a church, you step back and come home on home assignment, and then you go back knowing, okay, back to the, we're going back to the start, we got to do this all over again. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, you, I would imagine there's some, there's a bit of a grieving process. As you said, it's heart-wrenching to step away, but then I'd imagine also you also almost, almost need to, do you need to get re-energized or is there a natural excitement that comes to starting something new for you? So can you talk a little bit about that, that cycle? Because I, I, just as a pastor and someone who is trying to multiply ministry, I'm curious how that is for, for you as you're in the cycle of planting and releasing and planting and releasing. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, we're all wired differently. We're all given different gifts and talents and skills and abilities. And uh, so just to be able to see a little bit farther ahead than perhaps others or anticipate opportunities, but also anticipate certain obstacles is, is also a gift. Mm. And so, God has called certain pastors and elders to stay long-term at a church. And I've never personally felt that way. In fact, I wasn't really called to be a pastor when we first arrived. And even after the Czech leadership approached me, uh, I never wanted to take on the pastorate of a Czech church and just stay there. Yeah. And so what really grabbed me was the opportunity to be able to take on pastoral interns in an official capacity, as well as young church planters, and be able to walk alongside of them. Hmm. And so at some point in our ministry, we were uh, seeing the addition model, one plus one plus one plus one church planting, and then moving into a multiplication model hmm. where we're able to invest in the lives 
of young Czech pastors and church planters and their wives, and also to uh, help them to catch a vision so that we may not be the actual boots on the ground in a new region, but we will be able to come alongside that particular Czech leader who's doing that. And all of a sudden we can be working in two or three or more locations at the same time because there are those who God has prepared and called and placed in that particular area with a burden for that location. Mm. And that person may stay there for a generation. Who knows? Sure. Sure. So yeah, you're feeling like your niche of the kingdom of God is a little more on the apostolic side of getting things started and kind of coming alongside in order to move around. And so as you talk about a multiplication of churches, the Czech Republic, I mean, that's exciting, especially based on what you were saying earlier of, you know, a population that has such a small percentage of people who would call themselves Christians. Uh, as you are in this process of multiplication as, and you, you look outward, what do you see as a vision in the next five to 10 years? Um, how do you see the church growing and multiplying um, as you continue your work? Even before uh, COVID hit, we saw a pattern of young people, young couples, young families moving to the periphery of Prague and even beyond the Prague city limits, often because of the cost of housing, but uh, a cheaper land or cheaper, uh, cheaper living opportunities, but also good commutes to the center and more and more people working online. But when, when COVID hit, this just went into overdrive and it's a worldwide phenomenon now as people moving out of high dense, highly densely populated areas. So even before that, this was January, February of this year, uh, through a process of uh, prayer and vision, I laid out a, a plan for the next 10 years by God's grace, uh, with, in consultation with Czech and missionary co-workers, to see four new churches planted outside of Prague city limits within the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Northwest, Northeast, Southwest, Southeast, that we wouldn't necessarily be the church planters on the ground, but they, that we would be able to identify and help train and place four Czech church planters in these four, four regions outside of the city of Prague and see four new churches planted over the next 10 years by God's grace. We talk about urban and suburban and rural ministry and each of those contexts has a little bit of a unique character. How is it different in the, in the Czech Republic? How is it different in Prague? How is a church maybe that would gather in Prague? How does that look different than a community that would gather on the, on the, on the, ex, on, on the outs, you know, outskirts of the, of the city? What are there cultural differences that you see in those kind of lessly dense, densely populated areas? Um, definitely there's a tension because they're not moving necessarily to, uh, to, to cornfields that are made into uh, housing districts, although that sometimes happens too. They're moving into smaller villages that are becoming larger towns. Okay. And so there may be some tension between those who have lived there for generations versus the newcomers. Okay. Also, the newcomers still have their connections, whether it's family or job or activities in the city. And, uh, but what, what often happens over a course of two or three years is that the interest in their local community grows. And for Christians, that means the desire to reach out to those who are close to them. And although they often say, you know, it only takes me uh, half an hour by public to get to my workplace, on a Sunday it takes much longer because of public transportation connections. Mm -hmm. And so it is an extra incentive for them to be able to think locally and, and have a vision for a new church being planted right where they live. Gotcha. So that's, the theory any, that's the theory anyway. So we'll be trying out to see how this works and you can check in in a few years and see if, how things have turned out. Yeah. How, you talked a little bit about public transportation. Is, how do people typically move around? Is it a mixture of private vehicles and public transportation or what is the most common mode of transportation for folks to, to get from place to place? Oh, for sure the easiest to, to get right downtown is through the subway, which is called the Metro, but okay. there's also a whole uh, network of trams, which are like streetcars, and then of course hundreds of bus lines as well. Uh, okay. 
personal ownership of cars is also very big. And uh, other than congestion and parking, that's also another popular option for many Czechs. So of the population that you work with, is there a certain percentage? Is it the majority that you mostly use public transportation or is it kind of a mixture? Um, and does that impact your strategy? Do, do you, yeah, does, does, does people's mobility affect how you strategize your, your churches and things? Up until this point, our strategy has always been to find a location that is close to the metro station. So within a few feet or right next to a bus stop that goes one stop, for example. Yeah. And, and many people will arrive, that has to be um, considered. And then there also has to be at least a few parking spaces because on a Sunday, the public transportation is not as convenient as during the work week. Or people just, you know, they do that all week long and they want to, you know, they bring in the whole family, that kind of thing. So with there are a lot of considerations when we're looking at a location and um, that maybe you, you don't have to, we don't need a huge parking lot, but we do need a few spaces and, and we need to make it easy for people to get there because it's not their natural tendency to get to church on a Sunday. So we want to make, or during the week, but we want to make it as easy as possible for them. And you talked about public transportation being more crowded and slower on the weekends. Can you talk about why that is? Just the intervals are much longer. So uh, you could have a subway coming by uh, on in rush hour every 45 seconds. Wow. But yet on a Sunday morning, it could be every 10 to 12 minutes. Okay. Part, and that's because on a weekday, people are going to work, but the public transportation system doesn't take into account, oh, we need to make sure people can get to church on Sunday. That doesn't cross their mind one little bit. Mm -hmm, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then buses that, buses that often run every three to five minutes on a Sunday could be every 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you... We haven't touched on this yet. Um, so when we talk about church planting, can you talk about what a church is like? I mean, I think people think about church services, and I'm interested in that too. But just what does what does a church community look like? What does a church? What maybe what does a church gathering look like in in Prague? Well, first of all, um, we often say that we need to drop one or two zeros on the number of people who attend. So if a typical church in North America would be 200 people, then 20 is a typical size in the Czech Republic. So it's a very, usually a much more personal, smaller gathering, and you would tend to know everybody who's attending. And mm -hmm. also Czechs are kind of people who I would say they wouldn't gravitate towards large gatherings or big mass things. So once your church starts to get a little bit bigger and they can't, you know, they don't know everybody who's there anymore, then it starts to feel um, more uncomfortable for them. So that was, that's also part of for starting having new church plants in new locations is because for one, it's closer for people to get to, and they aren't don't have to be all traveling to one location, but also it just feels more comfortable and less intimidating to come into a group of 20, 30, 40 people than 400. So sure. then that has served us well during this time of the coronavirus, because when churches opened again, the or when things are starting to open again in the spring, could have 15 people. Well, in a couple of our locations, that meant almost everybody could come back to church on the first Sunday. And as the numbers went up, then and you know the, the locations that were a little larger could open up, and mm -hmm. just made it a lot less um, the the logistics of getting things going again was a lot easier for us than here in North America, where there are such large churches. Yeah, and I know in our tradition. As covenanters, the sermon is really the centerpiece of a Sunday morning gathering. Is that the same in Prague, or is I know some other traditions like 
more charismatic tradition. Sometimes, you know, you have really long worship set, worship sets or songs can go longer and more. How does that work? Um, what is the emphasis in the worship? You know, what, what I guess consumes most of the time, how does that look? Mm -hmm. um, someone coming to the Czech Republic to a Czech church would find a lot of similarities as well. Uh, focus on emphasis on the preaching, solid preaching from God's word, uh, but also worship. And then again, we have many different denominations, but uh, you'd find the churches that we plant are very similar to the covenant churches. Okay. Um, I think a difference would be that uh, it's very common to have a time of sharing and testimony sure. immediately followed by a time of prayer. Sure. And once you get to a church that's 50 to 60 people, that gets really difficult. Right. When you're at 20, 30, up to 40, it uh, feels a lot like family. It doesn't drag too long, really. It just seems like it's a natural part of the service, and it's not something that the missionaries thought up, but it's really important to Czech believers as well to be able to share. Someone will stand up and uh, share an exciting testimony or perhaps a prayer request, and I will be followed by several people who will just simply spontaneously during that prayer time in the service to pray for that particular person. And I find it's really not something that would turn um, seekers away necessarily, but in fact, they would kind of be strangely warmed by this mm -hmm. uh, facet of the service where people are open, they're vulnerable, they are uh, sincerely caring for the needs of each other and praying for each other. So it's very meaningful and it's not at all kind of like a, a rote uh, tradition or or liturgy but it's really uh, from the heart it's very natural yeah I was wondering with the with your dynamics of being you know in, in the 20s it provides a different opportunity than a church of 300 where you have to preach you know in a very kind of lecture style that's and you you can't be quite as interactive because it's just too big where I would imagine, yeah, if you've, if you've got a strong value on everybody knowing everybody and being familiar with each other, it would seem like it would be very easy to uh, kind of build that intimate community. And then that does provide different opportunities for you, I would imagine. So you mentioned COVID and we haven't talked about COVID very much yet. Nobody really wants to talk about COVID, but I wonder how did it impact what you were doing and how did you adjust when the pandemic hit? Prague when the pandemic hit the Czech Republic? It was a shock for everyone around the world as all of a sudden everything was shut down and so the Czech churches were no exception with the with the exception that the Czech government completely forgot about churches and so it was up to some of the church uh, representatives to say hello you forgot about us uh, what about us and they sincerely forgot they had been negotiating all day long and into the evening, all the lawmakers and parliamentarians. What about the movie theaters? What about the schools? What about the restaurants? And not one single word about the churches. And that was uh, just uh, a kind of an affirmation that it doesn't cross people's minds. Mm -hmm. And so, so long story short, we were shut down for seven weeks, but by God's grace, we were able to open with 15 people and then 30 and then 50. And soon there were no limitations whatsoever. Um, but in the meantime, we uh, fast forward with a lot of technology. We were buying cameras, we were setting up YouTube accounts. Uh, Zoom, which was not known before, all of a sudden was kind of a household word. Yeah. And uh, that didn't just stop after seven weeks because as you're aware, about half the people wanted to get back as soon as possible. The other half was a little bit cautious and would rather just stay and watch online. So then we were, we had a hybrid going and to, uh, to an extent that continued up until about two weeks ago with the so-called second wave and everything is now shut down even worse than it was in the spring. Yeah, and we're, we're potentially facing that here in the States as well. So we're kind of praying that maybe something different will happen, but yeah, it's definitely a challenge for the church worldwide to still have some semblance of a community, but yet trying to socially distance and do the things that we're trying to do to stay safe. And that's certainly a big challenge. Uh, you mentioned home assignment, and I'm sure that there are at least some who are watching or are listening that are unfamiliar with 
what a global missionary does or unfamiliar with what a home assignment entails. So can you talk a little bit about the rhythm that you have set up with teams of the four years on and then the one year of home assignment, some of the philosophy behind that, and then what are you trying to accomplish while you're home on home assignment? And our, as you mentioned, our uh, pattern has been four years serving in, in our context and then coming back to North America for a year. Uh, when our kids were younger, that was really important to value for us that we'd be back in North America for a year so they could be in an English speaking school for an entire school year. Um, as our kids are now coming to young adulthood and are more on their own, when we return, we'll probably um, be doing more like a year and then coming back for a month or two. But regardless of the length of time, it's still the same purpose that we want to um, reestablish the connections that we have with churches that have been supporting our ministry. And it's, as we all know, being meeting somebody in person is really still important. And so it's our goal to be able to connect with people um, to visit the churches that support us and to just so that people can um, see who we are once again and you know not just read a letter or see a, an email from us but to see who we are so with the um, COVID that's been more of a challenge so we're really thankful for opportunities like this where we can talk to you even though it's online you know it's it's great that we can um, still be communicating the message of what is going on in the Czech Republic and also what is going on around the world that um, God is still still working and missions is still something that um, he calls all of us to be involved in in some way. And um, then the other aspect is just um, some rest, some kind of time to um, uh, for education, if there's something else that we want to be working on, kind of get away from the ministry situation and take a take a break. And then we've also found that it's it's good for the people that we're working with in our churches to have us step back and them to step forward and to find out that um, they can they can do the things that we have been doing to the for the most part. And that said, every time we go on home assignment things are all planned out and you know this person will do this and that person will do this and this is how it's going to go while we're away and something always happens and once again it's happened that you know the coronavirus has hit and again we thought when we left in june you know whew, we're done with that you know they're ready to move forward but now we're kind of back in to it and so they had those systems in place mm -hmm. and the Czech Republic was back into complete quarantine lockdown about a week ago and Mark got a, a Skype call coming in and it was the Bible Monday night Bible study group and he was on that that list and so they they called up and we were able to say hello to everybody and give them encouragement and say we're praying for them so it's it's really great that con the connections that still continue even being away yeah. And you mentioned kids. How was it? How has it been for them growing up, you know, in the Czech Republic and then kind of getting a taste of North America every so often? How has that been for them? Yeah, we kind of have three countries, really, because they were all born in the Czech Republic. But at the same time, our home ministry assignments were often based in Canada. And so that's kind of more or less where they each are settling for higher education, potentially career, but they absolutely love coming to Minnesota and we've been to Kansas many times as well. And so that aspect of it is, is also exciting for them. And the worst question you could ask is where do you like it the best? You know, what's your favorite? <laughs> because um, they just simply can't answer that question. And uh, so right now we're just praying that God will continue to, uh, to lead them. We're so proud of them and also for the way that they're going on for the Lord and involved in our local church and ministry. And if God calls one or more of them into full-time cross-cultural ministry in the future, we'll just be thrilled. And if they're uh, called to some other local vocational ministry or vocational uh, job, uh, we'll we'll be thrilled as well. So that's all tied in with parenthood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I've got a, my oldest is a freshman in college this year and my youngest is a junior in high school. So we're on the yeah. same journey as well. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about having them come to an English speaking school. So that must mean they learned how to speak the Czech language as well, right? As they're growing up. And so are they, are they all bilingual at this point? Yeah, they're very much bilingual and um, they would, people would discover that they weren't Czech. Their classmates would discover they weren't Czech when mom showed up at school and said something to Czech and they're like, where are you from? <laughs> what kind of Czech is she speaking? Yeah. So they, yeah, they are very good in Czech. They just, being part of the church from the time they were born, they really felt at home and comfortable with people speaking in Czech. And then they just went to local schools. We felt that was important for them to be as much as part of the culture as they could be. And we're very fortunate. It's not, it's not always the case that every missionary kid is able to manage learning English and um, the language of the country where they, they're living. So we've just been really grateful to the Lord that they managed that well through all the tra transitions of going back and forth. And they really feel like it's a, been a benefit to them and they have a positive uh, attitude about those changes that they've weathered through their, through their growing up years. And I think it really brings them together as siblings that they share these memories and they can, you know, they know these words and they have these experiences that that are common to the four of them really. And so that really is a bond for them. So it's fun to watch them grow up and talk about the experiences that they had in Czech schools and in the Czech context and how that, comparing that to North America, well, some of those things were kind of different, but you know, they're all part of their experience and their childhood. Is it almost strange for them to be in an environment where the majority of people are speaking English? Does it take a minute to say, wait a minute, I'm used to hearing Czech all the time and now I'm hearing English all the time. Is there an adjustment period that happens when you, and maybe even for yourselves as you're coming back and forth? Our, our youngest daughter started grade 11 in September and she was able to go back to school in, in person. person. And she came home and she said, my English teacher started talking and for a minute I was thinking, why is she speaking English <laughs> and not Czech? And I said, or not speaking English with a Czech accent. And she quickly adjusted and they have been, it, and the adjustment happens quite quickly when you're, when you're back in the situation. But yeah, they do sometimes stop to, to marvel at that. Yeah, it must be a little bit surreal almost to kind of make that, that change. Yeah. So these conversations go very fast. Our, our, our hour is almost up, but I wanted to give an opportunity for those who are listening or watching. So this is available on YouTube, and it's also available in podcast form on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And so if there are those who are, you know, they've heard something that kind of has grabbed their interest and they want to learn more, where can they go to learn more about your ministry and what you're doing and what Teams is all about? Uh -huh. Uh, we have sent to Community Covenant Church uh, an envelope full of um, these brochures. And so uh, once you're around physically, be able to pick one up from Pastor Tom or from others. And as well, speak to uh, Phil and Gail Cyrillic. And Gail is Gretchen's sister. And they'll tell you a lot of exciting adventures they've had along with teams from Community Covenant who have been in the Czech Republic over the years. And as well, uh, pray that we'll be able to get to Kansas sometime during our home assignment. We can't wait to get there, but yeah. we'd love to do that. And of course, uh, please sign up for our regular monthly prayer update, which we love to send out. And we're actually doing video versions now. So don't hesitate. And please, in whatever form or way you can, sign up for, for one of our updates. Is there a, is there a, how do they sign up for that? Is there a, a link that they need to go to? Is there a, an email address they should email if they want to be, if they want to sign up for those updates? Uh, the easiest would be just to write to us at potma at email, gmail.com and uh, tell us, just tell us that you'd like to receive our updates and we'd be thrilled to put you on our list. Excellent. Excellent. We will do so. 
Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad we're able to see you at least in this format. And uh, for all of you who are watching or listening, um, we're thank you so much for joining us for this episode as we continue to learn about what God's doing in the greater community. We'll see you next time.